This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Earlier in the service this morning, we read a passage from Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son and surrounding events in there. Our key verse is found in Luke 15 verse 29, which is really the statement of the older brother. It's a complaining statement as he's fussing with his father because things didn't go his way. Actually, that verse is not a very beautiful text at all. It's sort of a cross between a snarl and a whine. That verse is the testimony of an upright man who lived in his father's house. According to himself, he had been perfect. He never broke his father's commandments. He says that in verse 29, and that's probably true too. This young man's life was dull, drudgery, and we do not admire him. You'd not go to that elder brother to try to find the answer for abundant life. You wouldn't go to him when you have a heartache. Even Jesus had nothing good to say of him. But does this mean that that elder brother was totally bad? I don't think so. He really had some good points. For one thing, he was honest and upright. He was a Pharisee. He worked in the fields. He had a clean environment while his brother was out in a pigsty, wasting his money in riotous living, the scripture says. Another thing about this elder brother was that he was a worker. Work is every person's obligation. Work's a blessing, not a curse. I remember one time when I was a very young boy, we lived out in the country and uh, I went out there one day and I had a shovel and the sand was easily dug. So I dug a big round hole straight down to the ground. Oh, probably three or four feet down. And uh, that was sort of a special thing for me. I called it my foxhole. Had a lot of fun digging. But the time came when my dad said, you need to cover that hole up, son. It could be dangerous if somebody falls in it. So I had to cover it up. The work was in covering it up. The fun was in digging it in the first place. George Bernard Shaw said, a gentleman is a man who puts more into life than he takes out of it. Sometimes we hear about people, Hollywood actors and others in that area, uh, just don't have to work. They have so much money they don't know how to spend it all. One person said, it's absolutely impossible for me to work. I just don't have time for that. Well, Jesus once said, my father worketh hereto, and I work. Let's look at another good thing about this elder brother. Since he was a clean and earnest worker, This older brother was making a contribution. The younger son didn't care about his father and the farm. As far as he was concerned, it could be turned back into a wilderness. There's another story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, the parable of the Pharisees and the publican. In that story, our sympathies are all with the publican who smote on his breast and prayed, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The publican and the Pharisee were kneeling at the altar, so to speak. Yet he was, uh, this publican really was a renegade. He was a traitor to his country. He was a tax collector. But the Pharisee stalks into the temple 
uh, somebody said, with a good eye on himself, a bad eye on his brother, and no eye on the Lord at all. Well, in spite of all the faults of this Pharisee, we must remember that it was his loyalty to his religion that had built the temple in the first place, and he kept it open. Except for the Pharisee, with all his ugly spirit there beside the publican, there would have been no place of prayer to which this publican could have turned in his hour of need. And so the elder son, the elder brother, had something to say for himself. But in spite of all these good things that we've just mentioned, he had some very difficult faults. For one thing, he lacked the spirit, the family spirit of love, loyalty, and goodwill. He was not on good terms with his father or his brother. He was not grieved over his father's sadness, apparently. He was indifferent to his younger brother, one whose life was dedicated to the nursing profession once made this statement, the skills of the nursing profession are altogether secondary. No loveless nurse should ever be allowed to approach a patient. Such a nurse would only scatter poison instead of bringing healing. This elder brother had no love in his heart for his younger brother, the prodigal son. When we are not on right terms with our brother, then we are not on good terms with our father either. Sometimes even preachers do not have the pastor's heart. They sometimes look uh, at things and in the condemnation spirit. They lack the love that they should have. Clovis Chapel once told a story about a friend he had in college saying it's not so easy, or it's very easy rather, not to care. Dr. Chapel said, I had this friend in college who had deep scars upon his soul because of the kind of home into which he was born. Outwardly happy, he was inwardly tortured. Once as we talked far into the night, he said this pathetic word, for 10 years, I've gone to bed with the secret wish that I might not wake in the morning. One Sunday I went with this young man, said Clovis Chapel, to hear a minister who at that time was one of the best known ministers in America. He preached a brilliant and scholarly sermon. But as we walked away from the church that day, I asked my friend, how did you like him? With considerable bitterness in his heart, my friend answered, that preacher reminded me of a man standing at a safe distance on the shore watching some poor chap drown and saying, you fool you, you ought to be able to swim like I can swim. No criticism could have been more devastating than that. Well, there's another fault that this elder brother had. He had no joy in his younger brother's return. The father was glad beyond all words. The home atmosphere was vibrant with happiness. Even the hired hands had a share in this joy, but not this elder son. While laughter lightened all the other faces, his remained dark. Not only was he failing in joy, he was actually angry. He felt that he had a right to be angry. His was what he would call righteous indignation. At least that was the way he would term it. 
Some characteristics of righteous indignation are these. First, it's born of love, not of selfishness. You remember, Jesus had righteous indignation sometimes. You remember, the scripture talks about Jesus calling the children to him. Jesus healing some, even on Sunday or the Sabbath. Righteous indignation is born out of love not because for selfish gain. Another thing about righteous indignation is that it seeks to help, not to hurt somebody else. When Jesus grew angry, he rebuked those who angered him, but the rebuke was not to satisfy Jesus' own feelings. It was for their own good. Now, neither of these characteristics apply to that elder brother. His anger was born not of love, but of envy. He didn't try to help, he tried to hurt. He refused to go into the feast so he could put that wayward brother in his place. Selfish anger causes more heartaches and grief than anything else in this world. When we're angry, we so often seek to lash out with words and hurt, hurt the ones at whom we're angry. A minister said that while he was pastor of a small village church, there was one woman in his congregation who was an outstanding leader. Her husband, a good and upright man, a leading merchant in the little village, while friendly to religion, was not a member of the church. This merchant and the minister were close friends. So naturally the minister sought earnestly to win this man to Christ, but he failed. And so one day the preacher said to him, John, I've done everything I know how to do. You still stand out. I think at least you ought to tell me why you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and come into the church with your wife and your children. With great reluctance on his part, the merchant replied, Well, preacher, perhaps you do have a right to know, and I'll tell you. In so doing, I hope you will not think that I'm reflecting upon my wife. She's the best woman in your church. You could not run that church without her. Still, she has this one big fault, a vicious temper. Now and then she goes into a tantrum. And when she does, the children and I have to take to the woods. It's hard for me, preacher, to believe in that type of Christianity. Well, the preacher was a brave man. In proof of that, he went at once to the wife and he told her what her husband had said. He looked for her to blaze out in anger, but instead her eyes filled with tears and she said, my husband is exactly right. I've been ashamed and grieved over my temper many times, but what am I to do about it? Then the minister told her that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. And right then and there, the minister and this lady knelt in prayer together, inviting God's Holy Spirit of self-control to come into her heart. A few days later, this merchant was preparing to go fishing. He walked in the living room with a long bamboo rod on his shoulder. It so happened they had just hung a beautiful lamp in the living room. It looked as if it had come out of Arabian Nights, but it was defectively hung. 
And therefore, when this husband turned about with his bamboo rod over his shoulder, he accidentally sideswiped that lamp and it came crashing down, sounding like a hardware store washing away in a thunderstorm. He stood there just shaking in his shoes, waiting for her storm of temper. When it did not come, he thought his wife maybe didn't see it. She wasn't there. But a moment later, he discovered her smiling at him over the banister. He joined the church and made a public profession of his faith in Christ the next Sunday. I wish we could report such a victory for this older brother, but we can't. He was too good to associate with his prodigal brother, and therefore he was incapable of association with his father. As a result of this, he missed the feast. He shut the door in his own face. He tore up his own admission ticket. You know what words were printed on that ticket? They're the same words that apply for you and for me today. John 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. Without this ticket, not even God can get you into the feast. But with this ticket, the door is wide open to all who will come in. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door, I'll come in. I'll have a meal with him. Sweet fellowship together. Some of you know perhaps that when the president of our nation is away from the White House, uh, I remember, for example, uh, George Bush, the older, had a place at Kennebunkport, and we went there one time. It was sort of a little island out from the mainland. And they told us that any time the president was there, the American flag would be flying from a pole in the yard. And when he's not there, that flag was taken down. Someone so well said, love is the flag that flies from the heart when the king is in residence. So what kind of flag is flying in your heart? Is it the flag of love? God wants us all to experience the joy that he brings when we can have love in our heart and not be sour saints. Help us, O oh God, we pray, so to let the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love that Jesus came to bring to us, so permeate our lives that others around us can see Jesus living in us. This we pray in his precious name. Amen.